Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, can we show some love to our music team and to all the teams that put this morning on? It is, uh, it's really good to see you here today. If this is your first time, hello, welcome to Light Church. And if this is, uh, maybe you're coming back, you've visited before, maybe you come every week. Either way, it is good to have you here today. Um, yeah, just to come behind before we get into today, before um, we take week two of this series, Uncertain. I want to just encourage you um, with that, the survey that's coming out on Tuesday. And like Dave said, we just want to make sure that we know who you are. It's nothing, you know, intrusive. It's nothing like that. No, no details that you probably won't want to share. It's just to make us, um, it gives us like the, the best insight to make sure that we're doing what is appropriate for this church and we're reaching the people where we're at. Uh, and it also gives you an opportunity to give some feedback and to put your voice into it. So make sure you keep an eye. And if you're not signed up to the email, and which I know some people aren't, head to the Connect Point. They can get you signed up and or at least point you in the right direction. Okay, week two of Uncertain. I don't know. I said this last week, but I've, I've seen 27 New Year's Days in my life. And uh, some of them I don't remember. But my usual experience of a New Year's is there is an excitement and an anticipation. And there is a, oh, what is your, your New Year's resolution? What is your word for the year? For example, um, some people saying, this year for me is I'm going to get fit. Or whatever it might be. People have these big dreams for the year. But it seems like after the pandemic, there was a general hesitancy for people to plan for the future. It almost seemed like people felt like, well, I had plans before and then this global pandemic happened and all the plans that I thought I was going to see happen and achieve and the dreams that I had suddenly now aren't a thing because we're all locked in our houses. And it's like this year, 2023, people were a bit like, oh, I think I know what I want to see this year. But to be honest, who knows? Who knows, isn't it? Like, who knows what's going to happen? It almost felt like there's this air of uncertainty around the future. Now, for those of you who've read your Bible, if you go to the book of James, you would see that in the Bible, James says that tomorrow is not certain. Like the Bible actually teaches us that tomorrow is not certain. Like Jesus even says it in Matthew, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have all of its own worries. Just focus on today. Like the Bible teaches us that the future is not certain. Yet how many of us have found ourselves in our lives in positions where we feel uncertain? We feel like we don't know what the future holds. We feel like we don't know who we are. We don't feel like we have a grip on what's in our hands. That feeling of uncertainty can often make us feel very uncomfortable. And how we deal with that feeling makes all the difference. Because there are times when we begin to take things into our own hands. We begin to manufacture the thing that we want to see rather than being patient and waiting. This idea of uncertainty, I think, is something that if we want to face the future with hope, then we need to learn to be comfortable in uncertainty. How many people, by show of hands, would say, yeah, I'm comfortable when I have no idea what is going on? Do we have any people? Okay, a few people. That's all right. Fair enough. You, you free flowers, going with the flow. I like that. 
But the majority of us, at some point in our life, will have these moments where we feel like, I feel uncertain, I really don't know what is going to happen. And whether you responded, yeah, you're okay with that, there will be times where you feel like, I really, really feel uncomfortable because I don't know what is going to happen. I was reading this week, um, it was uh, IPOS, which is like an international statistics body, they released some, uh, some studies in the September 2022, and they were talking about global averages of how people feel about the future and about fear. And one of the things that they found was that over 40% of people compared to something like 20% from three years ago, so a 20% increase, 40% of people are terrified of the future. They call this anticipatory anxiety, okay? They are afraid of the future. That's the word they use. I didn't make it up. Anticipatory anxiety. They are fearful of what is to come. I think that's crazy. The second thing is people were fearful. This is completely true. You can go have a look at ipos.com. They are fearful of inflation. And not just of inflation going up or down, but the unknown of where the inflation rates are going to be. Again, fearful of not being certain of the future. Maybe that's not where you're at today, but it seems like as a society we find ourselves in this place where we just feel uncertain about the future. And for four out of ten of us, that's a terrifying thought that we don't know what is to come. So let's look at this. As humans, we have the distinct ability, compared to other animals, that we can dream and transcend our current self and imagine the future and imagine things that are not as though they were. If you've ever had like a daydream or an imagination, we have the ability to imagine things that are not. And in fact, that could go as far as saying the Bible would even show us that we as humans have the ability to create the future in the sense of we see the future. We create the future in our mind and then through our actions, we then make it reality. Humans have the distinct ability to dream and to imagine. But just like any gift and any tool, it can be used constructively or destructively. Every single one of us has gifts and abilities and talents and every single one of your gifts has a shadow. Every single thing that God has given you that is positive in your life will also have a shadow side where you could use it negatively, you could use it destructively. This function that humans have to dream and to imagine the future is just the same. Now the Bible often will crack this line between faith and fear to, to sort of synthesize a definition of this. Faith is when we use that God-given ability to see and we look at God and fear is when we use that same God-given ability to see the future or to imagine the future. And it's when we look at ourselves. So faith is a focus on God and fear is a focus on self. If you go right back to the Garden of Eden, when we see where fear first entered the world, where was it born? Separation between humanity and God. When there was severance between the creator and the created. Fear is born out of separation from us and God. It is when we rely on ourselves 
So this word worry, when we say we are worried about the future, we feel that feeling of, I don't know what's going to happen. We find ourselves in places of uncertainty. Worry is this, a feeling of dread around the idea of something to come or a future event. An idea. Think about that for a second. I heard someone ask an old man, what's some advice that you would give to your younger self? And he said, I faced many crises in my life and very few of them actually happened. In other words, I spent time in my mind. To quote the great and profound Chicken Run. Uh, by the way, there is a rising distaste towards the film Chicken Run. I'm a firm believer. I love the film Chicken Run. There's some people saying it's creepy. I think the film Chicken Run's great, just for a side note. To quote the great film Chicken Run, where Mr. Tweedy walks into the office and talks about the chickens are trying to escape, and what she said to him, it's all in your head, Mr. Tweedy. It's all in your head. And what does he do? He walks around reminding himself, it's all in me head, Mr. Tweedy. It's just the same with fear in our lives. So much of the things that we are terrified of have not happened will not happen exactly we find ourselves wrapped up knotted up bound up by these things in our mind that might not even happen worry the feeling of dread around the idea of something to come the dread of facing something and again that's where so many people find themselves right here, right now, maybe in this room, looking at the future, looking at your career, looking at your family, looking at your health with that same feeling, using that God-given ability to see, to cast your mind, to transcend yourself, using that same God-given ability instead of focusing on God and all He has said to you and all He has promised and all He has done to look at yourself and your deficiencies and your lack and worried about what might possibly come down the line the bible addresses fear over 500 times constantly talks about fear why because it is foundational to the human condition what is the human condition every single one of us was born into a place where we were separated from god and those of us who have decided to say yes to jesus turn from that sin and follow him God has closed that gap and there is no longer that severance. So God has delivered the killing blow, that final blow, done, death, fear, gone. Has no hold on us anymore unless we decide to hold on to it. It's all in me, Ed, Mr. Tweedy. I want you to remember that. When you begin to experience that worry and that fear, ask yourself, who am I looking at? Looking at me? and my insufficiency, or him and his abundance. So, as we are in week two, what I want us to do, we're going to be dead practical today, is when we find ourselves in these times of uncertainty, there is a battle going on in our lives. The second you find yourself face to face with fear, there, is, there are decisions to make, there are some things that you have to do, just like every January where the gyms are full, and if you go to the gym, you don't want to be anywhere near the gym because it's full of people. Maybe it's just a time for us to step into the life gym for a moment and strengthen a few things. I believe that when we find ourselves in these times, the way we act is going to be pivotal 
I don't know about you, but I want to be the person that God has created me to be. And that means I got to be me whether things are certain, things are upside down, things are uncertain, things are painful, things are difficult. So we're going to look at three things that we need to strengthen in times of uncertainty. And you might be like, Dan, I'm not in a time of uncertainty. Okay, let me rephrase. Three things that you will need to strengthen for when you're in a time of uncertainty. This applies to every single one of us. So we're going to jump through a few scripture passages, but essentially is this. Three things we need to strengthen for times of uncertainty is this, is our head, our heart, and our habits. Our head, our heart, and our habits. So if you're taking notes, I simply want you to remember these things. That when you find yourself fearful of the future and you say, I don't know if I can say I'm facing the future with hope, we have some things to strengthen our head, our heart, and our habits. So we're going to look at this. Let's start with strengthening the head. When I talk about uh, our head, when we talk about what does the Bible mean about our head, it simply means our thoughts, our intellect, and our mind. How many of us know like I quoted that older guy who gave some advice to his younger self, when you find yourself fearful or you find yourself in times of uncertainty, what begins to race? Your mind. Your mind spins and you begin to think of all the things that could happen. All of the, It's like we entered the battleground or the battlefield of our mind. There is a war going on in our mind. And the Bible teaches us about how it is we strengthen our minds. So we're going to look at a couple of passages. The first one is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And it simply says this. This is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. And he's encouraging them what they need to do when they find themselves, when everything is upside down. He says in verse 5, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The picture Paul is painting here in the language he was using was all military language. And essentially the picture he painted for them was like a stronghold or a tower. And that when he was saying take captive, it was almost like wage war on the tower, break into it and take hostages. In other words, he's saying when it comes to your thought life, there are some thoughts that you need to wage war on, break into, and hold hostage until they submit to the will of God. Let me, let me say something that some of you might find shocking. Not everything you think is true. If you go on Instagram or Facebook, sometimes that would be a stretch to even say that. Most people think that what they think is true. Okay? The, the thoughts that come into your mind, especially in times of uncertainty, not everything you think is true. Sometimes there are thoughts in your mind that you need to do exactly what Paul is encouraging them. Take them hostage. Hold them until they submit to the will of God. There are some things that will come into your mind when you face the future with uncertainty. You will go, oh, maybe actually if I just get in with that group of people, or maybe if I just cut this corner, or maybe if I just, you know what, this Bible reading thing, this, I, I don't know if that's for me. I'm not really a reader. I don't really like that. And we begin to sit on these thoughts. Rather than waging war and taking hostages, what do we do? We invite them around for tea. Ooh, what's your favorite meal? I will cook it for you. Instead of waging war and holding hostage these thoughts, 
Instead, we get familiar with them. We allow them to grow until they take us off course. Not everything you think is true. Paul acknowledges this battleground of the mind because it's often the first place that we trip up. Before you ever do anything, where does it start? In the mind. Before you ever say anything, most of us, if you have a filter, where does it start? In the mind. I know some of us, it just does come out. Like talking about chicken run. It just comes out. I'm sorry. Most of us think and then speak. It exists in the mind. Paul acknowledges this is the first place to start. Hold your thoughts captive until they submit to the will of God. And then if we were to zip back to the Psalms, this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 103 verse 2. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. The psalmist is encouraging first and foremost, bless the Lord. In other words, tell God who he is. What does that do to you? It reminds you who it is that you're serving. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It reminds you of who he is. And then what does it say? And forget not his benefits. I wonder if some of us go about our Christian life following Jesus and we know what we know. But we get so familiar, and if we read the rest of that psalm, it talks about how God is a healer, how God is a restorer, how God delivers us. I wonder how many times in our life we get so familiar with who God is that we forget exactly who He is. The psalmist is encouraging them, remember. This isn't some deep cosmic theological point. Remember who God is. That's what he's saying. When your mind is spinning and you are upside down, forget not his benefits. Forget not who God is. You might be like, well, I've never met God before. Well, I encourage you, this is the first place to start, is to say, God, I want to know who you are. And as you begin to grow in your faith, my encouragement, as the psalmist says, don't forget who God is and what he does. An amazing missionary called Corrie Tamboom talking about worry. Uh, she frames it in a beautiful way. And when we stand there and we look across our life and we have that same feeling of dread or fear or uncertainty, this is what she says about it. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, only today of its strength. Beautiful. Worry, as it exists in the battlefield of our mind, does not drain tomorrow of its hardship, its pain. It doesn't change tomorrow. It simply empties today of its strength. My encouragement to you is if you find yourself in this place, strengthen your head, strengthen your mind. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done for you. Declare who God is. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why? List his benefits. Some of you actually need to sit down and write these things down. Look what God did for me here. Look what God did for me there. Because not everything you think is true. So we need to strengthen our head. The second thing is this. We need to strengthen our heart. When I say the heart, the biblical understanding of the heart is this. It is the control center where spirituality, feelings, desire, and will all intersect. The Bible defines it as the control or the center of a person. The Bible often interchanges the word heart and soul, often to mean the middle of a person. So when we talk about strengthening your heart, 
strengthening your soul. You cannot neglect your soul. Imagine if you injured yourself. You had sore knees. You go to the doctors. They start giving you physio. Now, when, uh, when a physiotherapist like, sets you off on that path and they give you all the exercises to do, they understand how your knee works. They give you all the right things to do. Imagine if you did everything but one. And you go back to the physio and say, this isn't working. You say, well, have you done everything I asked you to do? Well, I did most of it. Why did you expect it to work? Again, so many of us in our faith, we neglect our soul. We've reduced our faith down to this rational understanding of if I can understand God, then that's okay in my life. If I can get God into my head, then life is all good. It makes sense but we neglect this deeper transcendent part of ourselves that the Bible says we need to care for. Every single one of us has a soul, has this deepest part of ourself that God has breathed life into. You cannot neglect your soul. You go to God, God, I'm feeling worried. And he says, well, what have you done for your soul? Well, I didn't do anything for my soul. <laughs> Why are you confused that you're worried? Let that sink in for a second. Because I've been there in my life. When I was studying at uni, it was so cerebral. I was reading so many books. I was caught up so much in like the theology and unpicking the seams of things. And it was so, for a moment, I caught myself being like, ah, I'm starting to understand this. And it just got drier and drier and drier. And I love theology and I still read books. And, but you cannot miss out on the encounter with God. You cannot miss out on the Spirit of God moving your soul. So let's look at this. How do we strengthen our soul? In Psalm 64.10, it says this. Sorry, Psalm 62.1-2, it says this. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Just like your phone needs to be plugged in, your soul will only ever find realignment, recalibration, reset in relationship with God. Maybe you can relate to that deep feeling of something not sitting right in you, where you just feel a little bit out of alignment. Something's just not, something's not there. That feeling in your soul, maybe you can remember that from before you said yes to Jesus, before you became a follower of Jesus. That deep feeling of a void that you just couldn't fill with anything. Okay, that, that click in your soul that was required. The psalmist describes this as this, truly my soul finds rest. My soul finds itself. My soul is made whole in you. Okay, do not neglect your soul. It needs to be cared for, especially in times of uncertainty. And then Psalm 64, 10, he goes on to say this. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glorify in him. Now, I want to just take a minute on this for a second because many of us view our life as though if only we could escape from the pain, if only we could, only we could escape from the uncertainty, if only we could not be in that place, then life would be all good again. But all throughout the Bible, especially in the Psalms, this is not a method or a theology that got tested in a lab. It didn't get built under sterile conditions. It got tested in the hard school of the psalmist's life. 
as they were hunted down in the desert, as life was upside down, as they experienced pain, as they experienced uncertainty, as they experienced deceit, as they experienced all of that side of betrayal. These words were tried and tested in fire, not in the lab. So when we read this and it says, the righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him, the picture that the psalmist is painting is not of serenity in this euphoric meadow with wildflowers blowing in the breeze. He's painting a picture of arrows and boulders smashing down on the roof of a stronghold. And the soldiers stood underneath it completely untouched with the, with the roof on fire, with the rain beating down. You get the picture. He's painting this as when you are in the middle of the storm, when you are in the middle of life throwing everything it has at you, the righteous will take refuge in the Lord. My soul finds rest in the Lord. He does not say my soul finds rest because everything is okay. The whole context of refuge is refuge from something. I don't know about you, it gives me hope because when life is upside down, I'm like, these people who God used to speak and to write these passages were in positions way worse than I've experienced. And they had hope. And they had peace. And they found refuge. Therefore, in my life and in your life, right here, right now, whatever it is that's going on, maybe it's just some complexity of your mind. You've got some temptations going on in your head, temptations to stray or step out. My soul finds refuge from those things. My soul finds refuge in the middle of all the medical stuff that's going on, all the financial stuff that's going on. doesn't mean it goes away, but it means that you can be okay in the middle of it. My soul finds refuge in him. The writer D.A. Carson says this, joy comes before the solution. You know, we don't like that, do we? We like joy after the solution. God, make everything okay and then I'll be happy. No, no, no. Joy comes before the solution. Joy often comes in the middle of the problem. Joy comes before the solution, but while they wait in his protection, those who are right with him have a joy that is independent of worldly fortune. In other words, you can have joy and it is not connected to the position that you find yourself in. And then finally, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In times of uncertainty, you need to strengthen your heart. Be careful what you are feeding your heart. Some questions to ask yourself. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Whose voice is speaking into you during this time? What is it you are feeding your soul? How is it we can actually strengthen our soul? How is it we don't neglect our soul? We spend time in his word. We spend time in his presence. We spend time in Christian community like this. We're going to look in a minute in some good habits that we need to set up especially for times of uncertainty. But be careful what you are feeding your soul. So many of us will look at our lives and we say, oh, I'm, not really, I'm not really getting the results that I want, especially when it comes to fitness. You'll hear people say this, I'm not really getting the results that I want. And you ask them, well, what are you eating? I'm not eating very well. What, what are you going, do you exercise? And no, I don't really exercise. What are you expecting then? 
Sometimes it's exactly the same for our faith. I'm not really feeling much peace. I'm not really feeling so close to God right now. Have you spent much time with him? No. And I say that because I say it to myself. There's been so many times I've been like, God, I feel so distant. And the conviction that comes back is not God being like, oh, sorry, I just nipped out for a moment. It wasn't God being like, oh, I had a phone call, need to nip to the toilet, I'm right back now, sorry, yeah, good job for being in the right place. Every time, it's not God that needs to move, it's me. Every single time I feel distant from God, the conviction that comes back is, we'll spend more time with me then. Some of us need to strengthen our heart in seasons of uncertainty. You're not getting the results you want because you're not putting in the work. Yo, being a Christian is difficult. Okay, it's not easy. There is an ease to it. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But it's still work. Okay, it's still difficult, but there's a grace to it. Some of us have been sold, especially when you come up through like Sunday school and if you've been in the church a long time, there can often be this idea that faith is supposed to be really easy. That it's just supposed to come and waking up in the morning and spending time with God is supposed to just be the easiest thing in the world. It's not always easy. Those of you who have been Christians long enough know it takes work, like anything in your life takes work. So strengthen your head, strengthen your heart, and finally strengthen your habits. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and I hope this is helpful today. This is very practical. It roots us in the world. It roots us right where we are. Last week we looked at the feeling on the inside. We looked at the future. We looked at how it is that we need to respond. You can go listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. Today we're looking at what is it we actually can do right here, right now. Strengthen our head, strengthen our heart, strengthen our habits. So Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Paul is speaking to the church of Galatia, and he is essentially saying this, live up to who God has made you to be. If you have said yes to Jesus, you've been made a new creation. And much of life is this journey of living out the new creation. Not living according to the former self, but living according to who God has made you to be. That requires us to live up to who he's made us to be. That doesn't mean striving. That doesn't mean God is not happy with you in that sense. But it's like, be who God has made you to be. He says, walk by the Spirit. This is an intentional action. He's intentionally saying, in your action... Do it. Choose not to gratify the feeling towards sin. Choose not to lean into your dysfunctions. Choose not to lean into that toxicity in your soul. But choose to walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. It says in one commentary, it says, The flesh and the Spirit are mutually exclusive. You cannot please both. You need to pick. So that means that you and I need to build healthy habits. In January, it's a good time to talk about habits. I've established some new habits this January. And the thing is, some of my habits have been around my fitness. And the thing is about habits, discipline will sustain you where your motivation and your zeal give up on you. Okay, that's a common truth. Because I promise you when I get up in the morning and my... My plan says you need to go and do some sprints in the dark at 6 a.m. in the morning. 
I tell you, every single bit of me does not want to go. Every single bit. There's not one part of me that's even excited to do this. But discipline, if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Discipline will carry you over the ground where motivation and zeal and passion and excitement and motivation cannot carry you. Because why? It all goes. It's just the same in your faith. I want to read the Bible in a year this year. I want to... I want to get so close to God. If you do not put the habits in place, guess what they will be? Hollow dreams that you will feel like you failed in about two weeks' time. So we need habits. If we want to set ourselves up to be who God has made us to be in times of uncertainty, we need good habits. Craig Rochelle says this, Your habits of today shape the person you are tomorrow. Your habits will sustain you when everything else cannot. So we need some healthy habits. Here are some good habits that you and I need to put in place for our soul, for our head, for our heart, especially when things are upside down. Spend time in God's presence. Worship and pray. Spending time with God in moments of stillness and silence and solitude. In other words, being on your own. We don't like being on our own. Maybe you're an introvert. I'm like, I love being on my own. What are you on about? Silence, solitude, prayer, worship, these things, these are spiritual disciplines that allow us to hear God. Because we, we bust into some of those, those prayer moments. We kick open the door and say, God, I'll tell you what I need. And then we back out. See you next, next week. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is, God, I'm laying these things down at your feet. Now, what is it you want to say? I had loads of things on my mind the other day and I couldn't make sense of it and and I read in the Proverbs, it says, desire wisdom and understanding. And I was like, how do I desire those things right now? So I went on a walk and I simply just prayed, God, I need some wisdom. I need some understanding. I don't even know what on. I just need them. And as I came back from my walk, I can't explain it other than my head was clear. I was able to see what I needed to see. I was able to do what I needed to do. Those moments of just giving them to God, God, I'm going to give you this 15 minutes walk. Just come and do, say what you need to say. Prayer allows us to hear God. That is a habit. I don't, doesn't matter how you do it. For you, it might be in the car, it might be on the train, it might be in the evening, it might be in the morning, it might be on your lunch break, but you need to spend time in God's presence if you want to hear his voice. And if you want to stand strong in periods of uncertainty, you have to pray. Secondly, study his word. And I don't just mean like, because I've been here as well, where you flick open the Bible app, you read the word for the day. It's like, thanks God, I'll take that on your way. Now I mean like study God's word, allow it to clean you, allow it to refresh your mind, allow it to show you things. Again, you might be like, I'm not a reader, find a way. Okay, imagine if you were like, I'm not, I'm not a big breather. I don't do the whole breathing thing. It's like, oh cool, I won't be seeing you tomorrow. Okay, and I don't want to make light of it. I know some people struggle to read. Listen to it. Get the Bible, get God's word into you somehow. It is just as important as breathing is for your body. Reading the Bible is for your soul. Study his word. And then also, right here, right now in the church, God has created the church to encourage each other, to worship him. Now, I want to, I want to be as bold this morning to say this. I want us as a church to be a people that prioritize the house of God, that prioritize the church. And that means 
I know it's one of those things we can't always be there every single week, but I want to encourage you to make it a non-negotiable in your week. I know every day is for Jesus, but if you were to say to yourself, Sundays are for Jesus, what would that look like in your schedule? To say, you know what, ah, I'm not going to see Sunday as an opportunity to socialize. And if you can fit it in, amazing. I'm not going to see it as an opportunity to do other things. I'm not going to try and fit other things into it. If it happens, amazing. But I am going to be in church. Not because Dan has asked. Not because it helps numbers. I really don't care. It's because it is there for your soul to find rest in God. He designed the church for us to connect with one another, to encourage one another, to be in his presence. God does something when we are together that he doesn't do when we are on our own. The church is his idea. Do you have to be a Christian? Uh, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, no, but Christians go to church. Make Sunday a priority. Make church a priority. And if it's not this church, that's totally fine. Find a church that you want to make it a priority, that you feel like I cannot miss being in church. And I want to encourage you, don't just come to church, but get involved. This is a community. We are all here together. And to give a shameless plug, every single one of us should be serving the church in some way or somehow. Again, not because I've asked, because it is what we do as Christians. We serve the house of God. Find a team that works for you. Find a team that fits your schedule. Find a position in the church that you can give yourself to. Be passionate about it. Honor God with your time in that way. I know that there's extraneous circumstances. Some people can't do that, and that's totally fine. I'm saying generally, commit to the church, serve the church. I know our kids' team is in desperate need of, of extra people. I want to encourage if you're passionate about the next generation, and you're like, I'll do kids for six months. Go and do kids for six months. Let's encourage our little ones. I know our bumping team, the guys that load in on a Sunday morning, there are so few of them that is rested on just four of them. If you're able to join the bumping team, let's create a home for people to discover who God is. Let's create a home for you and I to connect. That's what this is. We're all here together. I encourage you, commit to the church. And finally, financial tithing and giving is a huge part. It is a huge part of us. If you go read Matthew 6 or Matthew 5, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Okay, if you want to stand strong in seasons of uncertainty, one of the first places that we begin to get wobbly is our money. By giving, and again, this is no plug for our church. This is about you and God. This is, says it in the Bible. You could argue, is it a tenth? Is it not? I'd argue the tenth was there before the law. You see it in Genesis. You see it right the way through. You see it in the New Testament. And if we want to go like old school, you know, I want to be early church about it. So there's no tenth. They gave everything. Okay? Tenth is actually God allowing you to keep 90%. Giving to God tells you something. It says, this money is not my stability. This money is not my master. I trust in God. That, let's, let's go back to the beginning, the faith and fear. If faith looks at God, fear looks at self. When we look at ourself and our money and our lack and our insufficiency, we find ourselves what? Fearful of the future. So instead, especially with our money, it is a discipline that the Bible teaches to free ourselves. It says in the Proverbs, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. 
and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller because we try and control and control and control. So your life will not rise on your vision or your dreams. It will rise on your habits. So we need to build healthy habits. I don't know what works for you, but find rhythms that work in your day-to-day -day life where you're spending time in God's word. You're spending time in his presence. You're speaking to him. You're allowing him to speak to you. You're giving, you're serving, you're being a part of this church. Find ways to do that in your life. I'm invite the team up. Strengthen your head, your heart, and your habits. I want you to remember that for when you find yourself in those periods of uncertainty. Ask yourself those questions. How is my head doing right now? Is it spinning? Is it upside down? Do I need to take some thoughts captive? How is my heart right now? Am I bitter? Am I sinning? Am I actively severing that connection with God? Then look at your habits. If you're not getting what you want, are you putting in the right stuff? You may not need them now, but I promise you when you find yourself in those times, you will be so grateful for what you've established in your own life.